Well, welcome to Food Farm Chalk on CFRE 93.3 FM in Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and on podcast on all the major platforms. I'm Paul Smith. I'm one of the hosts of Food Farm Talk. The others are Emily Duncan and Abdul Rahim Abdullah. Today on Food Farm Talk on CFRU, we're talking to Thomas Benjo. He's president and CEO of FHQ Developments in Saskatchewan, and we're talking about First Nations agriculture. They had a virtual conference back in September on Indigenous agricultural innovation. We're broadcasting here from the treaty lands of the Mississauga of the Credit First Nation of the Anishinaabek Nation. Please follow our podcast and our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook accounts. So Indigenous people and agriculture have a very long history in Canada and on Turtle Island. The agricultural innovations from Indigenous peoples in the Americas transformed global agriculture after European contact. And European-style agriculture was promised as a means for livelihoods in the number of treaties in Western Canada, only to be quickly subverted. Over the next couple of months, we'll be doing a series of shows on different aspects of Indigenous agriculture. So we're happy today to have uh, Thomas Benjo to talk more about First Nations agriculture. Morning, Thomas. Paul. Tanshi. Ani Buju. Can you briefly introduce yourself to the audience so listeners uh, can understand something about you and, and your background? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Um, my name is Thomas Bendra. I'm the president and CEO of FHQ Developments. I'm also a member of the Mesquiteing First Nation, which is a Soto uh, community, but I'm also uh, uh, Cree and Dakota, um, represented here in uh, the Treaty 4 territory. Um, I guess some of the other titles I currently carry in, in the market here, I am the chair of the Saskatchewan Chamber of Commerce and have been helping to lead, um, you know, new initiatives in, in, uh, in the business space and, and for uh, the economy in Saskatchewan. That's great. Good to hear. So many of our listeners are very unfamiliar with tribal councils and First Nations economic development. So can you talk a bit about uh, FHQ developments and the uh, File Hills Capel, uh, Tribal Council and how you do economic development work with all those Treaty 4 First Nations you were mentioning? Absolutely, yeah. So we, um, so the Tribal Council, uh, File Hills Capel Tribal Council is made up of 11 nations and they're spread out throughout Southern Saskatchewan throughout the Treaty 4 territory. Um, we're made up of uh, five distinct uh, tribes, um, the Dakota, Nakota, Lakota, uh, Cree, and Soto uh, communities. So there's um, 11 of those uh, tribes that uh, uh, exist in the, uh, uh, within our territory. And uh, we represent about 16,000 uh, plus uh, Indigenous citizens um, from our tribal council. And the way that we work, so we're the development corporation, so we're the ECDEV um, division of the tribal council. So our um, goal here is to build uh, indigenous wealth, which means uh, indigenous wealth is a little different. It actually means um, building community wealth um, and, and creating livelihood. And so that's that's the goal of our organization. So we're, we're actually, um, uh, we were formed back in 2010. And uh, we have three uh, distinct divisions inside of our organization. One is investments and partnerships. That's where we create all of our businesses. We manage our portfolio. 
Um, the second division is economic development. So that's building the indigenous business ecosystem around us and making sure that um, we share best business practices, but also support and help grow um, our nation's participation and our entrepreneurs' participation in the economy. And the third piece is our HR solutions. So uh, it's called Chokata HR Solutions. And so that focuses on growing uh, Indigenous talent, uh, both in our companies and for customers in the market so that we're keeping track of all the Indigenous professionals that are, are growing um, as we grow as a business. And so that makes up our organization. And so um, we're invested in uh, quite a number of different industries from mining, oil and gas, hospitality, uh, tech, and now uh, making our way into agriculture. So the conference you had back in September, the virtual conference, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what your goals were for that and, and how you intend to follow up on that. And I, 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 as I told you before, I think it was a really great event and very timely. So maybe you can tell us a bit more about that and the follow up. Sure. Well, they, uh, the goal of the conference was to um, get our nations and our entrepreneurs uh, and ourselves ready for the opportunity in the Saskatchewan market. Um, we have the uh, protein supercluster uh, that is uh, situated here in Regina. Um, we also have a lot of major investments that are happening throughout our territory. Uh, so, you know, new crushing plants are, are being invested in um, expansion of um, value-add um, organizations are, are, you know, being invested in uh, within the territory. And so, you know, we want to be able to take advantage of that. And so, you know, we wanted to, um, you know, change the way that we're, uh, our nations are perceiving agriculture, because typically a lot of our egg conferences that we've attended in the past have all been focused on being producers. So, um, either we're producing crops or we're, we're raising livestock. Um, a lot of our communities, you know, have buffalo uh, or bison. And, uh, you know, we wanted to expose them to, here's, here's some new opportunities to start to think about. And, you know, being that we're an organization that's already in tech, um, we are looking at investments, mm -hmm. and, you know, um, egg tech and, and, you know, looking at some of the entrepreneurs we have in our backyard here. Um, for ourselves as an organization, we're, we're not invested in tech yet. Uh, we have taken the time to develop a, an A uh, criteria paper in, in terms of what we think we're going to invest in and what we're willing to invest in and how much risk we're willing to take. And so uh, we've developed that. Um, but, you know, one of the things I, um, you know, I realized early on was that we actually need to go back and, and work on the foundation. How do we make sure that we have success uh, in the egg sector um, by setting the right foundation? So when I look at the other industries that we're involved in, there's, uh, there's a foundation that's set. There's a relationship that's built with a lot of the major mines, mm -hmm. gas, pipeline, um, uh, just you know, with customers and government in general. Um, now, from an egg perspective, um, a lot of these organizations don't have Indigenous engagement strategies um, or Indigenous procurement policies. And so we have to go back, build those relationships and build that foundation of support. That way, when we do make investments and start to align um, our businesses, we're gonna, we'll, we'll have a lot more success uh, and a lot more support going forward. 
Yeah, it's a, a good plan to plan your strategy first. So you were you were talking earlier uh, before the interview about what you plan to, how you plan to follow up with on the conference with uh, workshops and uh, smaller events. Yeah, so we are we are going to um, take um, snippets of the conference and actually expand them a little bit more. Uh, so we are going to look at uh, forums and other uh, webinars where we will bring in uh, additional expertise and, and we'll just, you know, elaborate a bit more on, on you know, what we heard uh, through the conference and, you know, begin um, bringing our nations along with us on this journey of, you know, these are the things to think about and here are some of the key players in the market that we've been working with. And you know they become a great resource for us to uh, begin building those relationships. And good, yeah, that's great. So at your conference, one of the presentations was uh, Chief uh, Cadmus Delorme of Calsus First Nation, and, and he laid out that colonial history that uh, denied the First Nations development in agriculture, despite the promises of, uh, in Treaty Four and others. He also laid out some how those policies still hold First Nations to ag development back. Uh, and he talked about the, some of the successes on his own First Nation and, and building the, uh, the crop and livestock businesses there. So maybe you can tell our listeners briefly about some of those constraints and how they've impeded uh, First Nations investment in agriculture and, and agribusiness. As you say, it's a broader value Net, network and uh, chains and, and how you're trying to overcome them, those uh, constraints. Yeah, I think one of the one of the biggest issues we have, um, if we are looking for investment on reserve, um, if we're going to leverage land that we have, um, obviously Indian Act doesn't allow us to have uh, uh, security uh, based on the land, uh, nor uh, do we have securities in place for uh, if we do purchase any equipment. Right, so there's um, there are sections of the Indian Act that um, won't allow you know creditors to come and, and seize assets uh, that are on reserve, and so um, you know there's there's different things that need to be created in order for that uh, uh, to happen effectively. Uh, but in most cases, uh, in terms of you know an entrepreneur or an individual um, uh, farmer that that wants to get started in the community they have to basically cash flow their entire um, operations, which means, you know, they're not getting the best um, equipment in the market um, because they can't get a loan to be able to do that. Uh, so there's, um, I think, from what you would have heard from, uh, you know, Cowsis and, and what they're doing, uh, they've had to leverage the, uh, the community to be able to access, um, you know, funding for, uh, larger pieces of equipment to in order for them to get started. Uh, so there's uh, the Indian Act plays, um, you know, a pretty uh, uh, or creates a, a very critical issue for us in, in being able to access capital. So, yeah, Chief Cadmus uh, identified uh, Section 88. Even he was very specific in the Indian Act that, that prevented using uh, First Nations reserve land because it's nominally crown land as uh, as a basis for loans from commercial institutions and that being a, a constraint on uh, investment. And this is an issue across Canada. And I know I've, I've heard this expressed and I read about this being an issue in, in terms of uh, at Six Nations south of uh, Guelph here in, 
near Brantford, they that lack of access to capital was a real constraint on the on the uh, development of agriculture there. And he kind of implied that some of that is the creditors and the financial institutions just not understanding how to do it, but there's also the legal constraint. So, so and maybe this is out of scope, but uh, you know, do we need is that a, a, an amendment to the Indian Act to, that needs to be made, or, or uh, something to be taken out of the Indian Act? I know it's a big that's a big topic, of course, Indian Act, but uh, but that's sort of like this is these are all the the specific things that would help economic development, right? So is that, so I guess there's two aspects of the specifics of the, should we change the Indian Act related to, and also the the banking industry, do they just need to be uh, made aware of how to work with what's already there? Yeah, I I think, um, you know, changing the Indian Act itself, I mean, even if we're just changing one section, there's a lot of uh, effects that would happen on other areas um that you know might not be seen immediately so there's there is um you know an issue in that process uh so you know what i would encourage and why we had uh you know our our panel panel of uh financial experts uh was to begin discussing well what can we do as financial institutions um i'm a former commercial banker um, I know uh, what the loan losses actually look like for on-reserve lending, and it's actually very, very low compared to other industries. Um, and so, you know, what I think, you know, we need to start thinking about um, either, you know, through federal programs or provincial programs, or even just with the financial institutions themselves, is be willing to take a little bit more risk, uh, be willing to um, look at security in a different way. Um, but, you know, consider, uh, you know, what the loan losses actually will be uh, in those communities, uh, because a lot of times the, uh, uh, like I said, the loan losses are are actually uh, very, very low when you're lending to first nation. Mm-hmm. So a little unknown fact that uh, I know people uh, aren't aware of, and, um, but, you know, it's, it's something that uh, I've been able to uh, experience, um, you know, working with Canadians and their finances. Now, there are a number of uh, uh, Indigenous and Aboriginal and, and First Nations and, and Métis financing institutions in different provinces. And I know in Ontario, we have the Indian Agriculture Program of Ontario is specifically formulated to do financing for uh, First Nations agriculture. What role do those, uh, and I know Saskatchewan has at least one or two of those. And, and so what role do they play in helping kind of move this forward in terms of agribusiness uh, development in, for First Nations? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the capital that they get uh, to lend out to communities does come through federal uh, funding as well. Um, but I think, you know, what needs to change is we, we've been doing loans uh, the same way for, you know, decades. And we actually needed to change. You know, when I look at our organization early on, when we were trying to access these same loans, um, they're very limited in terms of, well, how much can I borrow? And and knowing, you know, that the egg industry, um, you know, $100,000 doesn't go (laughs) very long ways when you're buying half a million dollar equipment, right? Um, And then, you know, that's not even including the inputs and, and, uh, you know, a number of other things that you need to factor in. So when you, um, 
think about the programs that exist, a lot of them are, are limited in the amount of capital they're able to lend. Um, and in some cases, if you're going over and above some of the programs, well, then you get into the lending piece, which uh, lending rates are oftentimes very, very high interest rates, um, which, you know, it's, it's a little difficult. We know what it's like to be in the egg sector and, and for things to go up and down very quickly. And um, for you to have to pay back a very, very high interest rate, well, um, you're essentially setting up um, you know, that business for failure, that farm for failure, because, um, you know, they, we need to have interest rates that are still competitive, that we can manage risk accordingly uh, within the business. So there's there's things like that that need to change. Um, and then, um, you know, even uh, when, when we think about the programs themselves, a lot of times they're focused purely on capital. And so, you know, we're interested mm -hmm. in tech, which means, while we're not actually spending on capital, we're spending on people. We're spending right. the, the development or the asset is the people that we're developing to do our businesses. Yeah. Um, I can't go and take a loan and be expected to only spend it on capital because I'm only going to buy you know $10,000 worth of computers and that's it. Everything else is invested in people and upscaling and making sure that they have the accreditations uh, necessary and uh, building in the... Uh, back to the house um, uh, tech uh, or software um, to be able to deliver. So there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of things that I think we need to uh, work on changing. And I think, you know, having another look at the policy and um, reinvigorating uh, what that needs to look like going into the future and thinking about where as nations we're, where we're going, uh, we need them to think a little bit more broad and, and be willing to uh, um, you know, take on a little bit more risk on uh, new ventures that don't don't fit the traditional uh, lending model. Yeah, well, that kind of leads into sort of the whole kind of expertise and labor market part of this too, because you've been talking about that. Is uh, so for agriculture and agribusiness and, and value added, the specialized expertise is is needed. And and there was at your conference with some. Also, like Melissa Arcana spoke about, you know, a lot of that soil science related stuff and the, and the technology involved in that. And, and then there was talk of, you know, First Nations agrologists involved in that. And so that's the expertise needed. And, and as you said, uh, and so maybe you can talk a bit about that, how you develop the First Nations expertise for these kind of business ventures that you're talking about. Yeah, I think, you know, starting early and being able to expose our nations to um, and our youth to future opportunities and future careers, um, that's going to be very critical. And, and that's why, you know, as an organization or as a development corporation, um, a lot of the community reinvestment that we do is always focused on youth. And so how do we get youth aware of opportunities? How do we build brand awareness with them so that they can see careers uh, for themselves with us? How do we get them following what we're doing as an organization? Um, these are all the things that you know we're setting up as, as a foundation and a basis. And, and then you know, we have our scholarship programs that uh, you know, will help to um, that we can navigate and, and support um, our youth into uh, very specific careers that we're going to need in the future. Um, but I, I think, you know, one of the other things that uh, I, I know we talk about um, agriculture and, and we're very, very good at doing it as a science. 
Um, but if you actually have a look at our institutions across Canada, we actually don't teach ag as a business. Now you can go and take a look at every single one of the business schools across Canada. And I haven't found one yet that is specifically focused on agriculture. Now, when I look at my educational background, I went to First Nations University of Canada and I got a very specialized um, business background in indigenous business, uh, indigenous economic development and indigenous governance. So my background is very, very unique. And so if we were to start um, to distinguish, you know, what do we need to need to know from an egg perspective and how do we build programs so that our youth in business can now start becoming, um, you know, more broader thinking um, professionals in, in uh, the egg space. So I think there's, there's some evolution that needs to happen there as well. Um, that you know we do need to mix uh, perhaps some of the sciences with the business programs and, and start developing these uh, egg business leaders. And if we could do that for some of our uh, First Nations youth that are going into business programs and see themselves in the egg industry, perfect. That's that's a great um, investment that we can make, and, and you know will help us create a more uh, competitive market for agriculture. Following the same kind of train of thought, it, there there is a lot changing with respect to Indigenous uh, people's opportunities in agriculture. Uh, the Federal Department of Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada has new programs directed to Indigenous peoples, as do some provinces. And then we just, uh, a little while ago, the Farm Management Canada released an analysis of, of how we need to change things to improve opportunities for First Nations and Métis people in, in agriculture. And so how do you see those kind of developments? Uh, do you see them as helpful and, you know, or not enough, or would you like to hear your perspective? Yeah, well, I, I think if you look at some of the, uh, you know, recent federal funding that was made available for um, Indigenous uh, communities or businesses, um, if you have a look at the reports, they were um, extremely over uh, subscribed, which means there was a lot more opportunity than there was capital made available to them. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and I mean, we know the cost of participating in egg, right? And, uh, you know, like I said, a piece of equipment could be half a million dollars here. So, you know, how, how are we making sure that we're investing enough? And uh, how are we ensuring that we're investing in, um, you know, building uh, capacity and, and building um, the foundation for uh, success for those uh, for those uh, indigenous businesses that are you know getting involved in the egg industry to be more successful. Um, so there's I, I think you know we need to um, probably invest a little more, but uh, I, I think uh, what we need to really understand and what would be helpful to us as you know indigenous communities would be um, what are the goals of you know, federal, uh, the federal programs or even the provincial programs that are going to be created and how do they align with the egg industry and the opportunities and how do we, um, you know, make sure that we're aligning the businesses that we're creating with that strategy so that we can be a part of that uh, uh, more direct um, investment and in, in growth. Uh, so I think that's that's where we need to uh, all get on the same page and, and uh, you know, really focus um, how we do that successfully. 
So maybe we'll uh, finish up with a more general question about what are the kind of developments and trends that you see uh, in the future for uh, development in First Nations agriculture uh, and agribusiness and, and, and maybe beyond that to economic development? Well, I can speak to our territory here and, you know, the relationships that we're building with a lot of the um, larger players in the markets and AGTs, the Viteras, um, building those relationships with those organizations uh, help to give us a better sense of what some of their needs may be uh, in the future and how we're able to be a part of the uh, uh, value chain of, of you know, what they do as an organization. Um, you know, and you know, the way that we view investment here is, you know, we make these little investments in businesses um, so that we can leverage that and, and take, take the uh, profits from those businesses and invest into something larger. And so, you know, we keep leveraging and, and um, reinvesting our capital uh, into other ventures so that we can, um, you know, eventually build much larger businesses. Uh, so that's what we're focused on as an organization. I think that's where, you know, there is a tremendous amount of opportunity and, you know, it would allow us to be able to take a bit more risk in the types of investments that we do make. So, you know, we look at uh, the tech sector and like I said, we're, we're involved in the tech sector already and we're quite excited about, um, you know, seeing some of the uh, local entrepreneurs across Saskatchewan that are, um, you know, creating egg related technologies and, you know, I want to be able to invest in those, uh, but we need um, some pretty serious capital to be able to do that. And so just getting our foot in the door and leveraging up, uh, building um, some businesses at the start and eventually raising enough capital to invest into these other uh, more riskier ventures will be um, how we manage our portfolio going forward. And uh, with all of this experience that we're building as a development corporation, you know, we'll share in those best practices, we'll share through the forums, share through the webinars, and uh, make sure that uh, you know, we're bringing other nations on the journey with us and making sure that they don't have to uh, you know, go through some of the tough uh, learnings that we're gonna, we're gonna be through. Um, you know, we'll be able to lead the dips and um, learn the tough lessons, but uh, hopefully make things uh, a lot easier for them when they uh, begin to invest in the sector. Well, we'll wrap it up there. And I really want to thank you, Thomas, for coming on the show today. Uh, Miigwech, hey, hey, uh, for being part of this and, and uh, helping us share the, the great work you did on the, on the conference a and for your people in, the, in, the, in Saskatchewan. It's great. Yeah, thanks, Paul. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, allowing me to share what we're learning. And this is always evolving. So uh, always excited to share. And I know, you know, a year from now and three and five years from now, um, this uh, strategy will continue to evolve. And hopefully we're, uh, you know, we're back at some point in time telling you all about the new businesses. Yeah. <laughs> Successes. Yeah. So thanks all, to all the listeners uh, on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph and on podcast. Uh, check out the links in our show notes for some more information on, on what uh, Thomas has been talking about and also on our social media feeds. Uh, so please tune in again for another episode of uh, Food Farm Talk. Mm -hmm.